Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s? Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the hosts of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field. And we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. On April 13th, 2014, a man filled with hatred after decades of voicing his controversial opinions, finally picked up a gun and took the lives of people he hated simply because they were different. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Frazier Glenn Miller Jr., born November 23, 1940, dropped out of high school to join the U.S. Army where, for the next 20 years of his life, He served his country, rose up the ranks to Master Sergeant, and served two tours of duty in South Vietnam during the Vietnam War. He was also a man who was introduced to white racialist politics by his father and became a member of the National Socialist Party of America during the Greensboro Massacre in November of 1979. These views would eventually get him discharged from the army. He was caught distributing racist propaganda and in 1980 founded the Carolina Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, which later developed into the White Patriot Party, or the WPP, an organization that was pro-apartheid and openly advocated for the establishment of an all-white nation in the South. Not willing to stop with the WPP, Glenn tried and failed to obtain the Democratic Party's nomination for the governor of North Carolina in 1984, and then the Republican Party's for a seat at the Senate in 1986. In January of 1985, Glenn signed an agreement with the leader of the Southern Poverty Law Center in exchange for dropping a lawsuit that the center had brought up against him. According to the SPLC, they had accessed the WPP's computer system and found evidence that their leader, Glenn Miller, was making plans to assassinate their leader, Morris Dees. However, just over a year after signing that agreement and accused of violating those terms by operating a paramilitary training camp, he was found guilty of contempt of court and sentenced to a year in prison with orders to cease all contact with white supremacists. In April of 1987, a typed-up, quote, declaration of war was mailed to 5,000 different individuals. The letter began, quote, In the name of our Aryan God through his beloved son, I, Glenn Miller, now this sixth day of April, 1987, do hereby declare total war. I ask for no quarter. I will give none. Before going on to declare war specifically against Black, Jewish and queer individuals, as well as, quote, assorted mongrels, white race traders, and despicable informants. It went on to threaten Morris Dees, the leader of the Southern Poverty Law Center, and establish a point system for not just his assassination, but the assassinations of several federal officials. 
He went on to make a number of horrifying allegations about basically any other race or religion outside his own, and on April 30th, 1987, was arrested after authorities raided a mobile home he was renting and found that, because he was sharing it with three other men of similar belief systems, he was in breach of his court orders. While bringing he... Tony Wydra, Robert Jackson, and Douglas Sheets into federal custody, police found an arsenal of weapons, including C4, dynamite, pipe bombs, and hand grenades in the mobile home. Glenn Miller was indicted in May of 1987 for communicating a threat via U.S. mail, pleaded guilty to avoid the numerous other charges against him, and was sentenced to five years in prison. He then went on to testify against several defendants in the Fort Smith sedition trial. The WPP dissolved in his absence. And after three years in federal prison on weapons and paramilitary violations, he was released. And because he was now an FBI informant, he was given the name Fraser Glenn Cross Jr. He used this name for several years before reverting back to his legal name. After his release, Glenn began to work as a trucker and started writing an autobiography titled A White Man Speaks Out, which he had privately published in 1999. By 2002, he had moved to Aurora, Missouri, and after retiring from trucking, tried to dip his toe back into the white supremacist movement by publishing his own newsletter. One that, even those involved in the movement, had mixed reactions to and felt as though Glenn was a traitor to their cause. He eventually became an affiliate with an anti-Semitic white nationalist website and, in 2004, wrote an essay calling on Americans to rise up against the Jewish, people of color, LGBTQIA community, abortion, and church-state separation. Two years later, he ran as an independent writing candidate with the 7th Congressional District of Missouri and, in 2010, ran in a Senate election where he did much of his campaigning on the radio something that was met with a lot of criticism as it was disputed whether Glenn was a legitimate candidate or just using his run to get airtime to spew his harmful diatribe. Because nothing legal could be done about his unorthodox campaigning method, Glenn was able to continue his supposed campaign. In late March of 2014, Glenn was, after a visit to the emergency room, diagnosed with emphysema and told he had about a 50% chance of living three or more years. It was at that moment that the very vocal white supremacist, one who spent years making a name for himself bore out of hatred, decided that, if he was going to die soon, he was going to take some of his most hated opponents down with him. Opponents that, in reality, are guilty of only having a differing opinion to his. Innocent people who are about to lose their lives in the name of anti-Semitism. On April 13, 2014, 73-year-old Fraser Glenn Miller Jr. arrived at the Jewish Community Center of Greater Kansas City and, near the entrance of the White Theater, fired at two men, one of whom was able to escape immediately while the other managed to, after having his shoulder bag hit instead of him, escape without any injury. He then turned his sights on a 69-year-old Dr. William Lewis Caporon and his 14-year-old grandson, Reet Griffin Underwood, who were both hit upon pulling into the parking lot of the center. Dr. William died at the scene of the shooting. He was shot in the head with a shotgun, while Reet was able to hold on until finally succumbing to his injuries inside of the hospital. As the sounds of bullets rang out, local teens were inside of the building auditioning for KC Superstar, while a number of actors, crew members, and other staff were milling around preparing to set up for the 2 p.m. performance of To Kill a Mockingbird. 
There was also a fitness class being conducted inside of the building for children with autism. Basically, the building was filled with adults and many, many children. As the sounds hit their ears, some of the adults made the first calls to 911, while others, one with paramedic training and another with military medical experience, rushed outside to try and help the victims Glenn had already claimed. After shooting a number of other bullets, thankfully missing each and every single time, Glenn got back into his car, leaving behind all those children at the community center, and opened fire at a Jewish retirement center, Village Shalom, that was situated just a mile away. A woman walking through the parking lot, Terry Lamano, was shot and killed while two more were shot, but thankfully missed. At 12.45 p.m., an hour and 45 minutes after the shooting began, Glenn Miller was arrested outside the Valley Park Elementary School by two officers who identified him using the tips called in by witnesses. As he was led away, he continued lashing out various hateful rhetorics. Dr. William Kaporan and his grandson were both Christian and attendants at the United Methodist Church of Resurrection, and Terry Lamano, an attendant of St. Peter's Catholic Church, was an occupational therapist who was visiting her mother that day. Of those shot but uninjured, only one was of the Jewish faith. After searching Glenn's home, in which they found a plethora of ammunition, a shirt with a swastika, anti-Semitic publications, directions to several synagogues, and a printout about the Casey's superstar auditions and his personal history, police determined that this crime was an act of anti-Semitism as well as domestic terrorism. According to a later interview, Glenn had been planning the shooting since he received his grim diagnosis from the doctors. Because he purchased all of his firearms from a straw buyer, he was able to go without a federal background check, which would have ceased the purchase altogether due to his federal charges. The man who sold the gun to Glenn, John Mark Rydell, was indicted by a grand jury on federal charges of providing false information on a federal firearms form, pled guilty, and was sentenced to five years probation and home confinement for six months. Two days after the shooting, Glenn Miller appeared in court via video and was charged with one count of capital murder, which, because they were all, quote, part of a common scheme or course of conduct, covered all three of the murders. He is believed to be the oldest person to be charged with capital murder in Kansas history. Three charges of attempted first-degree murder and counts of aggravated assault and criminally discharging a firearm at an occupied building were later added. On December 18, 2014, he was found competent to stand trial, and after a few other hearings to determine if each charge had sufficient evidence and a number of plea bargain attempts, on May 14, 2015, Glenn Miller shocked everyone when he announced that he wanted to fire all of his attorneys and insisted instead on representing himself, stating, quote, It's my life and I'll do as I please. The death penalty don't bother me and that, if found guilty, he would, quote, climb up on the gurney and stick the needle in myself. The judge agreed to his request, and upon taking over his case, Glenn announced that one of the witnesses he planned on calling was actor Mel Gibson. The trial began on August 17, 2015, and over the course of 11 days, Glenn made a nuisance of himself in the court. He yelled out of turn, made a number of self-incriminating statements, objected to the words of the witness oath, quote, because they did not include the word God, and said that he was proud of his crime. Of course, all while making a number of racist and anti-Semitic statements along the way. 
On August 31st, 2015, Glenn Miller was found guilty of one count of capital murder, three counts of attempted murder, and assault and weapons charges. About a week later, a jury recommended that he receive the death penalty. The judge agreed, and he was officially sentenced to death on November 10th, 2015. When later speaking to the press, Glenn said that if he were to ever get released from prison, he would absolutely kill again. He died while still behind bars on May 3rd, 2021, at the age of 80. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on April 14th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. <laughs>